10 years at the helm of Apple, a look at Tim Cook this week on The Wild Loop. Visit our website at thewildloop.net where you can find our blogs and bios, as well as connections to our Facebook, Twitter, and email contacts. Email us and let us know your thoughts and we may read your comments or answer your questions on the show. The Wild Loop starts now. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Wild Loop. Got another episode for you this week. Uh, we wanted to start off, though, with um, kind of a news story, I guess, that we saw on LinkedIn that we thought was interesting because I think it was either a week or two ago we had kind of referenced Minority Report and how, like, uh, you know, like some of the advertising capabilities that were in that movie when the movie came out, it was like, oh yeah, right, like that's, you know, that's crazy. Yeah. We were kind of, we're kind of already at that point if we really wanted to be. So this story kind of stood out to me at least in a similar, for a similar reason. It, uh, it was a story on LinkedIn about a company in Shanghai that had 1,500 drones. Um, they were flying in the sky that would form formed a pattern uh, in the sky where they, they each had a light, it looks like. So when they all light up in the right uh, pattern, it forms a QR code that you can <laughs> basically scan with your phone by pointing it up to the sky, um, which is interesting. I mean, there, there's a picture of it. There's a picture of it on this story. And... The, the guy asks, ads in the sky, is it brilliant or dystopian? But uh, what that made me think of was, well, each drone could easily have, because in, in this example, it's just on or off. They're like white lights. Mm-hmm. But you could easily have like an RGB light on each drone that could basically make any color you want, which of course is how TVs are made, right? They're arrays mm-hmm. of pixels that can do any color. So if you if you take this to the next step, you can theoretically have floating video ads um, <laughs> where, you know, like the each drone is acting as a pixel on a yeah. screen. So you look up into the sky and you can see like this video essentially hovering in the sky. Yeah. So I someone's already obviously thought of that, I think, if this already exists. So I would not be surprised if we, you know, see something like that in the relatively near future. Um that's going to be expensive advertising, I would think. Yeah, compared, like, compared to uh, you know the old banner behind the plane kind of thing. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> um, but you'll be able to do like they'd be able to do wild stuff with that because all the drones could coordinate like you know how they fly, so you could imagine ads like breaking apart and then coming back together and being able to play any kind of video you want. I mean, there's no sound yet. I mean, maybe they find a way to have sound in them. But that starts to feel kind of Blade Runner-ish, right? Yeah. Or, or Minority Report, whatever you want to pick. Because yeah. even in Blade Runner, they they had they had ads in the sky, but they were, like, attached to blimps. And, yeah. Which we can already do, of course. But it was, like, yeah. it had, like, a certain look to it. Um, but it's, like, this is kind of beyond probably what they even imagined would be possible back then. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think like who's going to regulate that? Like you know who can fly ads and right, what's whole space? Other, uh, yeah. yeah, remember we, we were talking about that with drones, just the airspace regulation. That's a whole nother level. Having 150 flying around like that, or it was more than that? How many was it? 1500. 1500. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. So you can imagine, and then like you can imagine that the better if they do do something like this, right? Because you're going to need more 
drones, aka pixels, to have like a higher quality image if you are doing a video. Yeah. So you could like those numbers could get higher. Is the point. Right. Uh, and then the drones, you would imagine. I mean, I don't know how they do this. I don't know what the size of the light is. Like, I they could be like light bulb size for you to be able for you to be able to see them from that distance. Right. Uh, but then you have like drone size being taken into account, and like, I don't know, man. There's just so much. But I, I bet you that something we see something within. I would think maybe at least even an experiment within a year or two. Mm-hmm. But I could be wrong. It doesn't but seem terribly dystopian to me. Uh, it, so the QR code you could actually scan from your phone, yeah, from the, gra- from the ground, right, right. That's pretty, that's pretty nuts. I mean, it's yeah, it's mind-boggling. I, I wouldn't say it's dystopian. I was in, uh, I was in Walmart the other day. I, I'm assuming you don't go to Walmart that often, but um, yeah, sometimes when we, when I need to. Yeah. So you've been in there and you've kind of looked up at the the camera screens and you see like how they have everybody they have everybody on camera and everybody's kind of they're tracking everybody individually and there's like a color attached to each person. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that. No, that's dystopian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. It's something about it. It's like the drones in the sky. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me that much, I guess. Cause they're, they're so far away. Mm-hmm. Um, now all of them of course could have cameras and, be, oh, oh yeah, you know, you can, you can take it there you can take it to another place, but okay. So let me imagine. So, all right. So I will take it to that place right now. So imagine if you saw a video ad and all the, all of the drones had cameras on them, mm-hmm. uh, like very powerful cameras with you know telescopic lens or whatever. Because if like even on the iPhone you have like a, I think I wait one of them. I think a Samsung might have like a crazy lens, like a 20x lens or something, and it might be optical, so it's like pretty high quality. Mm. So you could imagine like all these, you know, drones would have even more space for a better lens. All right, so let's say that they are displaying the ad, but then they have cameras pointing to the ground to see who's looking at the ad with facial mm. recognition. Mm. So then if they recognize who sees the ad, then they could do what's called retargeting which is where then like you get the ad on your phone or on your television because they know you saw it because they captured you looking at it. Mm. So it's, I'm sure I'm sure that's already been thought of too. Like I'm I'm yeah. not the first person thinking of this. Yeah. So it, it seems like a, I mean you get the same result by just tracking who's browsing an ad, right? I mean, right. It or, seems like a yeah. lot, long right. way, a lot of work just to get a little extra verification. <laughs> well, it's. The thing is, is targeted advertising is like, I mean, that's the whole basis for, I mean, where I work, we do that kind of stuff. That's kind of the basis for our business. It's the basis for Facebook, for Twitter, any, any or Google, any place that sells advertising to support the business. Yeah. And the reason for that is they want, advertisers want value for their dollar. And if it's targeted, they know that they have a lot higher likelihood of, you know, converting on their ads so they're willing to pay more. Yeah. So doing, like, having all that back end, um, I don't know, like what kind of bandwidth would be required. I mean, that's a lot of bandwidth. If every drone theoretically could <laughs> could be pointing a camera and scanning yeah. faces, and again, that's like if you're that high in the sky, I, I don't know how well the facial recognition works from that kind of a distance, and like what right. kind of a camera you need. Blah blah blah. The the point I'm making is that the technology for all that is 
it's already there. It doesn't have to be invented. You just plug them together. Right. So, because you mentioned cameras in Walmart is dystopian, and I was just gonna, I was, my point was that like, well, you could easily take this to the next, yeah, level of, yeah. you know, yeah. So <laughs> we've already gone dark. We've already yeah, gone down. Got the, the dark, got the dark stuff out of the way yeah. early this time. So. Um, yeah, we do that too often, I think. But <laughs> hey, that's like I don't know. It's it's a work in progress. Yeah, it's um, yeah. There's just so much. There's so much potential to just go that way, I guess, with some of this stuff because it's like you know facial recognition it's like well what are the good ways you can use that i mean you can use that for like device login that's nice you have that on the iphone yeah um i don't know if there's a whole lot of utility to it finding uh, criminal, criminals that's about sure hey well that's the whole that's the, the whole mo- thing the most point obvious of, one that's a, kind of similar to the plot of minority report mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like, hey, we're going to use this technology for good, which is stopping murder and finding criminals. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, so you've become a villain. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, so that was an interesting story. And I, I'll be curious to see if that, um, you know, uh, goes any further in the next year or two. Yeah. And that was in uh, Shanghai, I believe, right? You said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, perfect city for that kind of a test, I think. Yeah, totally. Anyway, um, so we do have a subject for this week, and it's similar to uh, some shows we've done in the past. and Because we've, we've kind of reviewed, uh, as, <laughs> as best we can, uh, <laughs> leadership styles, right, mm-hmm. for some of these big companies. And we talk about Apple a lot. Yeah, you know, for good reason. They're they're doing a lot of stuff. They're in the news, and uh, we're going to talk about them again this week. So <laughs> we're we're going with uh, we're going to talk about Tim Cook. Uh, he's been the CEO for Apple for I think ten years now, almost mm-hmm. like I think he just had his ten year anniversary in August or something like that. Right. And of course, he worked for the company uh, a while before that. Actually came over from Compaq, for people who remember that name, C-O-M-P-A-Q, which was responsible for some of the cheapest piece, like cheapest garbage PCs, or at least that was <laughs> kind of how they came across, like back in the day, back in the 90s, right? right. So it was kind of surprising that, um, you know, when I learned that a long time ago, obviously, but well, Steve Jobs wanted him. Yeah. Oh, oh I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's not surprising when you think of the era Apple is in mm-hmm. and how he's applied what he learned, I think, from Compaq as yeah. far as as far as supply chain stuff. And because he has taken Apple from mm-hmm. where Steve Jobs left it and really kind of, you could argue, t- turned it into uh, a powerhouse, you know, yeah. another another IBM, mm-hmm. um, circa nineteen eighty four type business. Right. So, right. In order to do that, he had to t- he had to use, I think, uh, some things he learned from companies that were churning out products at a at a higher rate, I would say, than Apple was. Yeah. So I mean, he right. So at the time, obviously, when he came over, that was uh, that was almost surely the case because Apple was not 
that big. Um, and I think he was the COO. Is that right? Before becoming mm. the CEO? Because he was kind of like Steve Jobs, right? And man, well, in some areas, Steve Jobs had a lot of, I guess all the C-suite people were the right-hand man in their own manner of speaking in their own area. But he was, uh, let me look this up. I thought he was COO before he became C- CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, named COO. And that was in, that was later than I would have expected, 2005. Hmm. Uh, who was COO before? Oh. I guess, oh, he was named COO. That's not when he started. So Steve Jobs said he had been doing the job for over two years, and it's high time we officially recognized it. Um, interesting. So Cook joined in 1998. Yeah, so that was right when Steve Jobs was coming back. I think he came back in 97 or 98. was named Senior Vice President of Operations. Um, but he's he's a very different type of person by all, yeah. Uh, yeah. what do you call it? You know, accounts. by all accounts. Yeah. Yes, by all accounts from Steve Jobs. So having him, <laughs> and I've read some funny theories, but... One of them, including that Steve Jobs wanted Apple to go down after he died because <laughs> he wanted what? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of the things I've heard. And so if that was his goal, uh, he failed massively. <laughs> but like uh, kind of like and I've I've actually seen this with some like people that have left. Uh, comp- like they didn't want the companies to succeed without him because they wanted to be seen as, like, I was crucial to this right. company, which right. I, don't, I don't buy into that at all, because I don't think he would have, you know, done the whole Apple University thing. And But, like, right. there's a lot of people who don't like Tim Cook, mm-hmm. so their theory was, like, oh, like, he's so terrible. Steve Jobs must have picked him. Uh, <laughs> he wants the products to get worse. He wanted everything to get worse. So the people said, oh, Apple's not the same without Steve Jobs. And when yeah. he died, that was the end and all that, which I think is a nonsense theory. But... Uh, but the point I was going to make was like people all have different opinions of him, obviously, and that was one of the things I've read over the years. <laughs> right, it's really stupid. But well, he's you know they probably couldn't be more different as mm-hmm. far as <clears throat> as far as um, like Jobs was sort of the artistic type. Mm-hmm. Cook, by all accounts, you know, doesn't have any. Uh, pretense for being an artist uh-huh and uh i think jobs i was i was while we were kind of reading over some of these articles it it made me wonder if if, if jobs would have been as effective today i mean it's only been 10 years but um the the world today is is really different you know mm-hmm. as far as um the political divide and you know some of these things where where i think cook has actually done well mm-hmm. you know he's he's managed to kind of bridge the divide where a lot of people i think didn't think that could be done um, especially with all the you know the manufacturing they're doing in china um one of these articles referenced how you know when trump in 2016 trump was sort of campaigning with a kind of an anti-china campaign mm-hmm. and at the time apple had all of its assembly happening over there 
mm-hmm. or a lot of it anyway. And, you know, Cook has managed to not only uh, keep the production in China and keep the relationship good, but he's also he also had a good relationship with Trump. Um, so yeah. that's, that's a that's a pretty tough thing to do, I think. Right. Um, and I don't know that Steve Jobs could have done that. That now, not that Steve Jobs would have wanted to. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know, but the company, the, I think, the era that the company is in, like, so if you look at it, like a trajectory where Steve Jobs kind of released this string of innovative products up until the iPhone 2007, and sort of set this trajectory. Mm-hmm. To where the where the company was on the rise, and then Cook takes over and just sort of um, he just finds a way to to keep it going, like mm-hmm. like increasing steadily, as opposed to um, you know not not having the innovative products necessarily, but but navigating the political landscape and 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 that kind of thing, which is what you have to do if you're going to be right. you know. Uh, a mega a megalopolis yeah <laughs> right so wrong term but but you know what no, i'm we, saying we got yeah 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 um so i think i'm trying to think what they've done new since tim cook took over and i could think of two things one of them is obviously the apple watch wouldn't you say that's more of an accessory to the iphone though i mean i, I was thinking that too i i just didn't i didn't well, know how i would categorize that as a yeah. new product yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, yeah, I would say it's a new product, but I mean, it is, it's it's an extension kind of of, of the, you know, ecosystem, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And it's really grown since it launched. I mean, the first version was not, could not do much. Right. Um, and that's been something that they've done with all their products since he's taken over is just iterate a lot instead of, you know, real, like look at the iMac when it first launched, it was like a, you know, uh, an all in one CRT monitor. So it was like a, a really big device. I don't know if you remember what they looked like, but they had colors and yeah, it was like a, it was like a big old, like old fashioned style monitor. And then they eventually made them into, um, you know, the LCD model and they had like the lampshade model, which had like the white base with the arm and like the, you can move the screen around and then they eventually moved to kind of what we have now. But the, the thing is like, over since he's taken over, I don't think the design of the iMac has changed all that much with the exception of the recent one, I guess, which is the color. They went back to colorful iMacs, but at the same time, design is kind of similar where it's just like a monitor on a stand and you know mm-hmm. the computer's all in there but mm-hmm. um there was a lot more change in the imac happening you know during steve jobs time so i guess the point was that it was uh i feel like things have like gotten much more iterative i guess instead of yeah. like big changes right. and we've kind of discussed that in the past as well with um you know like having iconic design kind of like porsche like yeah. 9-11 and how like their products are all kind of um kind of hitting that point where they're they're hitting like this iconic design where maybe there's not a whole lot of room of places to go but anyway i guess my point was with the new products uh one of them is the apple watch and i think the other one is maybe the focus on services mm-hmm. so like the iCloud, like icloud stuff your fitness plus your mm-hmm. you know your apple tv plus um like 
he he seems very focused on revenue growth. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, obviously he's not the only decision maker in the company, but when Jobs was around, it felt much more like about the products themselves. And now it feels like Apple's really focused on how can we get bigger and right. bigger. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of iterative changes, but then there's also like a lot of <laughs> iterative new ways to charge us kind of <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I mean, even even small things like like the iPad for like there's no multi-user account set up for an iPad. You can only have one account. So think about a family. If maybe there would be a family iPad, and there could be like there could be people who are using it that way, but mm-hmm. you can't log multiple people into one iPad. So it's like okay, well, what's the solution? Okay, everybody gets their own. And I'm sure that's like a, yeah, I mean, if you can afford it or whatever, but I'm sure that's a specific decision that they've made. They're like, oh, iOS devices are personal devices. We don't, we're not going to support like multi-user stuff. So the only way to get around that is is to get more. So I'm sure that there's decisions being made in the design of these products to, you know, scale things, sell more. It's not about necessarily like making the best product. Um that's how it feels anyway, because there's just so many obvious, uh, you know, what was I going to say? Obvious ways, obvious things you can do with the products mm-hmm. that would be good for the products, but would be bad for the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And this this goes towards everything we're seeing with, like, the, the trial stuff we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, the, all the decisions that they're making are good for Apple's bottom line. And I really think that's kind of an extension of his thinking. And at the same time, you know, he's he answers to the board, right? And then the board, and they all answer to the shareholders. So if you have all these shareholders who are always wanting growth, I don't know if we can make a different decision, right? Because yeah. if, if he says, oh, we're going to do this because it's for the good of the customers yeah. and good for computing, they're going to toss them out if it means losing, you know, a trillion dollars in value or something like that. Right. Um, so I don't really know. I don't know what he can do in in that situation. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess that he's, I, again, I, I think he's kind of the right guy for the role mm-hmm. because I, I don't think he's convicted uh, the way Jobs was for certain things. He's not convicted um, right. to be all that innovative, for example. Um, and maybe Jobs would have made decisions that were not necessarily about the bottom line, even in this era now he might have been tossed out too. <laughs> yeah, by the board, but you know, if if the if the growth wasn't sustained. Right. I, I don't know. Um but it, it's interesting to to think what would happen if they they took a more socially res- uh, when I say socially responsible, I don't mean it in the way some of these articles do, but mm-hmm. if they were like you said if they weren't if they weren't just thinking about the bottom line and maybe like in the case of the iPad, we're allowing the whole family to log in on one device, for example. Yeah. Um, what that would actually do. Cause they've yet to really take a leap of faith like that. 
Yeah. Even no, with this, e- even with this, uh, the, the thing with Epic, mm-hmm. um, they never back down. You know, we've been we've been saying how they should get out in front and, um, yeah. You know, make a make a name for themselves amongst developers and whatnot, and they right, they, right. they haven't even done that. You know, so yeah, they don't show so, any signs. No, they they really don't, and. There were some other things that happened when he took over. I don't know. We've t- I think we've talked about Scott Forstall before. Mm-hmm. He was like VP of iOS or something at the time that you know Steve Jobs died and Tim Cook took over. And a lot of people thought he was a shot for being the next CEO because he seemed to also be like a product guy, very focused on quality. Um, and he was like one of Steve Jobs' again right hand men, I guess. And they were like friends because he came over from Next, mm. um, and I think he was hired out of college for Next. And you know, he was just very similar personality to Steve Jobs. You know, demanding and meticulous and all those things. But he didn't get along apparently with a lot of the other people on the team. But like Steve Jobs was kind of like the buffer you know, between him and mm-hmm. those other people. So it's interesting to me that, like, Tim Cook basically fired Scott Forstall not long after Steve Jobs was gone. And I, I we've talked about it before on this podcast, and the, if you want to call it, the impetus for it was a bunch of baloney. <laughs> that almost like he was set up. Right, because they they launched the the Apple Maps to basically all, they it got trashed because it was not anywhere near Google Maps uh, at the time, and Apple was saying these are the most powerful maps that you can use, and it was like it was gar- total garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tim Cook wanted Forstall to sign like a public letter of apology for it. Mm. And like he wouldn't do it, so after that they fired him. But he like, I mean, I can see both sides. It's like, yeah, if you're the if you're the head of iOS, it's like you know you can take a hit for the team. But apparently he was just saying like this was not like he, he wouldn't do it because he he thought it was not his fault. Either like he had nothing to do with it, or like he would was objecting to what they were doing with it in the first place. But like it seems like marketing makes a lot of the decisions lately for Apple software in terms of how things are going to be or like what they need. So Mm. like, you know, so they can sell it a certain way Mm. and the marketing just did not match up to what was actually delivered. So maybe he was like, Hey, this is not, you know, going to happen. And they did it anyway. So he's like, no, I'm not going to, I don't know. There's, you know, differing accounts, but, but they got rid of him pretty quickly after Steve Jobs was gone. So it was almost like now's our chance because he doesn't (laughs) fit in with the rest of the people. Yeah. Um, and that's been, you know, that's been discussed a lot in the media, that, that whole event. And a lot of people think that him leaving was also a catalyst for iOS getting worse. Mm. Uh, so kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah. So what what is what is what do you know about Tim Cook as far as his his leadership style, his his personality and what people think of him as far as working for him. Yeah, so all the things I've read 
are that he has very strong attention to detail, that he can often be more prepared than the person coming in with something. Like, you know, if you come in to give a report, they'll say, like, he'll already know it, like, or he'll know that data better than you. So you mm-hmm. better know your stuff because if he asks you a question you can't answer, it's like, all right, go. Like, we're our meeting's done. You're out. Not fired necessarily, but, like, you're wasting right. my time. Right. Um, so there's that. Um, I also think he's way more hands. I don't think he's a product person. Everybody has said that. Um, whereas, you know, Steve, there's stories of Steve Jobs calling up, you know, the Larry Page from Google, who was the CEO, or he, I think he's still the CEO now. Uh, oh, no, he's not. Um, the Sundar Pinchai or whatever yeah. the CEO. But yeah. Larry Page might be like the CEO of Alphabet or whatever it is they did. I don't remember. But anyway, the point is like Steve Jobs would call Larry Page at like midnight saying there's a problem with the the color yellow in the Google icon app for I, for iOS. We're going to fix it and push it out. Are you okay with that? And it's like, <laughs> you know, I don't see they're talking about the color yellow in like one of the, the O's in the word Google, right? Right. Like that's that's how hands on and like he was and if he saw something he wanted to change like they would do so there's a story i don't know if this is true either but it's the story i read about when they were unveiling the the current mac pro which was you know uh, they redid it from the trash can version to what they have now where it's more like a typical not typical computer but the form factor looks more like a computer that people are used to seeing and i had all these like really cool things that they did with it in terms of being able to plug and play uh, different device, um, not devices, but peripherals like video cards and specialty cards for video processing and all this stuff. So the, there's a story that like, and there's a photo. So that was accompanied it, accompanied it. So I'm not sure if it's true or not, like I said, but it's Johnny Ive shortly before he quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking to Tim Cook at the unveiling show, they're on the floor, like where it's like after the show, and people can come up and look at the products. And it looks like he's talking to him and explaining something to him. And the the story was that Johnny Ive was trying to describe to him all the things that they did that were really cool and like the new things. And then Tim Cook's response was, "Yeah, I get it. It's a computer." <laughs> And so wow. if that's true, again, if that's true, like I feel like that would, you know, probably encapsulate his approach to these, you know, the st- like he's probably pretty hands off in terms of the products. Like I'm going to let the people who are making them do them. And I mm-hmm. and of course he says, "Oh, everything we do is amazing." But does he really I'm sure he believes it. Mm-hmm. But the, but the question is does he know why he believes it? Mm-hmm. Right? Other than just thinking, oh, we're Apple, we do the best stuff. Like you have to be able to defend that, and I don't, I don't know if he's into the products enough to be able to defend that because I can point out a whole bunch of ways that Apple products could be improved mm-hmm. and are not as good as competitors. Again, in some ways, in other ways, they're quite a bit better than their competitors, which is why I use them. But that doesn't mean they're perfect, and I would never. I couldn't go around saying the stuff he does because it's like, man, some of the stuff has to change. If mm-hmm. like if I was in charge, I know exactly what I would be wanting to change. Um, you know, across a couple different things, but yeah. yeah. So, and you said he he was 
He had a lot of attention to detail, though. Like he would show up at meetings, right? Uh, extra prepared, right? So he has, he has that on the one hand. Then you're saying um, he's sort of he's sort of hands off at the same time. That's interesting. So I think it's hands off with the products, and I think yeah. he has a lot of attention to detail on the operational side of things. Got you, got you. So because I think that's right, and people call him. <laughs> People say, oh, well, he's an accountant. Like, that's what he does. So, like, he's a numbers guy. He's an operational guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he's a product guy. So when he's, like, he's, you know, he knows how Apple runs. Um, like, his work before he became CEO was, uh, apparently a lot of it was in, uh, what do you call it? Like, streamlining their manufacturing. Because, they mm -hmm. like, Apple used to have a lot of inventory on hand. So... They'll say things like, oh, we have six months of inventory on hand. So right, it's like, it right. takes six months to sell through. I think he got that down to like weeks. So that mm -hmm. at any given time, like they have hardly any inventory. And it's like it's it's being manufactured and it's being sold. Uh, because for whatever reason, I don't know why I'm not a, a, a inventory guy. But having inventory on hand is supposedly a very bad thing. Mm. Like a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so, like, that was the kind of stuff he was working on. So if you imagine that he's... Because, again, he became COO, as we saw. Right, right. So if he's working on those things, his mind is just not in the products. Like, that's just not his thing. Yeah. And you can't yeah. change... Like, sorry, I'm not... I'll, let me Go ahead. Wrap, but, like, you can't change, like, your interests, right? So if you're so dedicated to that side of business... You're not going to become the guy that's like thinking up new computery stuff. Yeah. Right. That's just not who you are. Yeah. Again, it just kind of makes sense. Like the timing of his, mm -hmm. the transition from jobs to him. Mm -hmm. That's It's almost like exactly what Apple needed in a sense in order to, to grow, mm -hmm. to keep growing. Yep. Um, but I think what gets lost is kind of, you've talked a lot about taste in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and that was big. Steve Jobs was, you know, would criticize Microsoft, for example, for not having taste. And that was what that was the impetus behind a lot of these products was they were they were tasteful and artistic. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of these articles, uh, uh, Ken Seagal, this is the CNN business article. Mm -hmm. uh, Ken Seagal, who is a former Apple ad man who worked closely with Steve Jobs. Uh, he said, taste, this is a quote, taste is one of those things that everyone on earth thinks they have, even when they don't. Uh -huh. Steve had that, and he was a brutal enforcer of his taste. He said, he goes on to say, Tim delegates it. Some of his people have it, and some don't. Um, and that's interesting to me. So, that's, so now it's kind of being, um, what's the word? Not neutralized, but it, when, when something is spread, um, it's on the tip of my tongue, but anyway, it's like the the taste is not at the forefront of what they're doing now. It's sort of it's in the mix still, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's a different dynamic it seems. And and that now you've got people, it seems in the operation who maybe don't have that same conviction, like I was saying earlier, for taste. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and it's all it's all about the streamlining process that you're describing. 
Uh, I mean, I know it's not all about that, but if, you know, you can only do so many things as a, as a CEO. So I'm sure he's, I'm sure that's his focus. Yeah. And I think he's also, he also seems to be much more into like social issues than right. Steve Jobs ever was. And right. he was kind of, Steve Jobs is all about the, the company and it's kind of because he was he grew up as like a hippie right and was yeah. you know kind of on that side i think politically um but it was kind of funny when <laughs> like it, like the city of cupertino like he would go to some of the board like city council meetings and because he would have like you know propositions for you know like the new spaceship campus that they built and all that yeah and <laughs> the the I don't know if it was city council or something else, but like they would ask him, the politicians would ask him like, oh, well, what kinds of things can Apple, uh, you know, do for the city of Cupertino? Because Google installed like free Wi-Fi for the city of Mountain View or something. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he said something like, I think we, that Apple's like the biggest taxpayer in, in the city so i think that's enough for you guys or something like that it was just very much like where the heck do you get off asking me that and like you know you right. should be thanking us for all the activity right. we already bring to the city so <laughs> even though he seemed to be like on maybe like the left side of politics like when they asked him you know can you do some maybe so like more socially i don't even know what to like what what to call it but like what can you do for the city He's like, what are you talking about? Like, we, I think we pay enough in taxes already. Right. Like, so that's not, it's kind of a different angle. But like, Tim Cook seems to be very much into, like his heroes are, I think, Robert Kennedy. Is that right? And. Yeah. Uh, Is it the brother? Yeah. And uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Why, why Robert Kennedy? Because I post? think, because he did a lot for like civil rights, I think. Okay. Um. So he was very much into like he talks about that like the, like those are his heroes and those are the people he ascribes to being like and I mean you know it's just a very different it's a very different personality type mm -hmm. and set of goals and values I think than than Steve Jobs had and he's definitely kind of taken the company in that direction I think because um, you know what usually like when he speaks. He speaks about like social stuff, like yeah. to the media and and those things. He doesn't talk about like Apple products or like <laughs> uh, like you know just making the best products that Apple can. That's just not what he talks about to people. Yeah, I uh, so some of that to me. Um. It's a little bit of a sore spot, not a sore spot, mm -hmm. but my, I'm, uh, I have these, these antennas that go up when I hear these, uh, the social, the social, um, how, what do you call it? What did you, how do you just refer to it? The social marketing or the social responsibility. Uh huh. Hey, we've, we've talked about the responsibility revolution concept, um, and I think some sometimes when when companies are talking about being socially responsible, it it comes off anyway as as being sort of like the smoke and mirrors um, 
because what they could be doing to be more socially responsible is what we were talking about earlier, um, making their products more accessible to more people, mm-hmm. more affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of you know the the video game world, obviously, um, you know letting go of their monopoly on on all the the app store stuff. Sure. Um, that that to me would be socially responsible. Whereas, and, and you know, don't get me wrong. It's we got we need to be good stewards of the environment and and all that. Right. Um, but I feel like the things that he's talking about are are talking points um, mm. to grow Apple even more. In the like, he understands the time we're in. He understands mm-hmm. the political stuff. And so, to me, some of that feels political. I mean, a lot of it feels political. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're gonna if you're gonna be socially responsible, I you know that would be my one my one uh, take on it is you know start with those things start with the things that um, are really affecting a lot more people I think than 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 maybe he realizes or maybe he does but um, yeah there's, com- a, there's a lot yeah. of people affected by that stuff. It comes back to the fact that he'd probably be fired if he did that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like it, it seems like he's being political and he's walking yeah. the tightrope. Yeah, and he's doing a good job of it. Um, and the company's growing. It's still growing. It's 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 mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's it's definitely become. I mean, it's and you know he worked for IBM in 1984. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So the great irony. Talk about full circle. So, I mean, they've literally become the new IBM. I mean, there's no, there's no getting around it at this point. Yeah. And the yeah. more he does these kinds of things, where he's, he's sort of um, walking that political tightrope and and saying the things he is. It just makes me it it, it makes me feel like it's. Uh, It's 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 irony. It's irony mm-hmm. at its best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, I, that they are what they are today. But I bet you, like, what's that quote about? Like, it's hard to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on him not understanding it. Have you heard that before? <laughs> no, that's a good. I don't. Quote, I don't. It might have been Mark Twain. Mm. Um, hold on. I don't know if this might because that's a approximation of the quote, I think. But let me do a search to see if, if it was him because now I'm curious. A man to understand something. Because um, what I was going to say um, is that he, he might believe the stuff that he's yeah. saying. Because think about like the bubble you get into yeah. when you're. Oh, absolutely. You, like the people around you, everybody's telling you, "Oh man, your company is doing so much good for the world and for yeah. everybody." Yeah, and you're going around talking about, "Yeah, hey, look, our company's doing so much good for the world," and you only see the good things. Right. Um. So I, I mean, there's, it, yeah, you know, it's exciting. I'm sure to be in that, um, in that bubble, <laughs> to yeah. be, to be, you know, to experience that kind of growth and um, right, long, long, long sustained growth like that, and like mm-hmm. you said. Um, I think there's probably a perception that they are doing a lot of good, and in some ways, they they are, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's 
there's a lot of fallout. I think that uh, that to your point, I think maybe they they miss when they're in that bubble. Mm-hmm. So I can't find. Uh, maybe maybe DuckDuckGo is no good, and I should try Google. No, no, don't do it. <laughs> we went over this. Yeah. I don't see. I'm not getting back a, a quote though, uh, a source for that quote, but it's a well-known one. Um, and I'm getting a bunch of other stupid stories that do not uh, interest me. But uh, anyway, yeah. So very different. It seems like you know. I think we both agree that the company seems to have taken a very different uh, angle since yeah. Tim Cook has taken over, and that's you know a lot of it has, I'm sure, been under his direction. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting though, because you start thinking about, he has been there for 10 years and, you know, nothing lasts forever. So Mm -hmm. his retirement will probably come, it'll feel like it's, unless they announce something ahead of time, like, Hey, in two years, we're going to transition. Like it might just be a thing where it's like, Hey, Tim Cook is stepping down. Here's the next person who's taken over. And it's going to be like this, uh, feel like kind of out of the blue. Like the Bezos. Um, yeah, Bezos right, one. right, right. So that very much felt uh, like a shocking announcement. So if he's... I mean, I don't know what his plans are, obviously. <laughs> uh, how old is he? Let's see. Because I, I imagine he doesn't want to do it forever. Uh, born in... So he's 60. He's gonna. He's about to be sixty-one in a couple weeks. Um, I don't think he wants to be seventy in doing this. Now, the guy's already made a ton of money, uh, so I would think at the most a couple more years. Do you think maybe we? Do you think he'd want to go beyond sixty-five? I don't know. Because I, I would know, think I mean, he would. He would slow down at some point. Um. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, the point was, it just made me think of earlier Apple CEOs, and as much and like as much as people complain, have complained about him. I'm wondering uh, if when he leaves, people are gonna whoever he gets replaced by, people are gonna miss Tim Cook, and because he had a direct connection to Steve Jobs, right? Mm-hmm. He worked with him for year, like many many years. Many years. He worked with them for more years than he's been CEO. So, you know, he had that, like I said, he had that direct connection to him. It's almost like a continuing of the line. The next person that is going to be CEO, unless it's like Craig Federighi or, you know, I don't know if this guy, what's, what's his first name? It's not another Steve, is it? Jaws, we act. They call him Jaws. J-O-S. Every time I hear... Mm-hmm. They they kept talking about him on that on the last video. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna take it back to Jaws." And I kept thinking of the James Bond villain. Oh uh, yeah, it's like why? It just sounds ridiculous. Like <laughs> I don't know. Jaws, uh, anyway, Jaws sounds villainous no matter how you slice yeah, it. Yeah, just, just whether it's the shark it. or the <laughs> right. It's like uh, it's like you. I know. It's like um, using like company nicknames on a presentation. <laughs> like I don't, I don't get that. Like yeah. I don't know the guy. I don't call him Jaws. It's like, hey, old Jimbo's coming up for the next segment. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. Who's yeah, that? Apple. Well, Apple used to have more of a small company feel, and you know, people, of course, 
you said was people knew who they were talking about right very different now i think but they're they're not letting go of that image (laughs) was also sounds a little more friendly than jaws Jaws, even though they 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 rhyme was sounds very was doesn't uh, sound like he could eat you friendly and cuddly yes totally uh a little different but Mm -hmm. anyway what i was gonna say was i don't I think he might have been around the... Oh, man, let me look up his name. Uh, Jawsweak? <laughs> no, that's a... Sta- so, doing a search for Steve Jawsweak brings up State Farm Insurance Agent. <laughs> that's <laughs> some guy that is definitely not, not an Apple. There's a photo of him, too. Uh, hold on. Apple... What's his name? Greg. Greg Jaws React. All right, not Steve. Anyway, so some people have thought that maybe he would be the next CEO, but he's like a marketing guy. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. He, he's been in Apple since 1986. But so then again, like, how long does he want to stick around? Uh, you know, he's 50, late 50s, it looks like. Um so the next CEO, I feel like, is kind of a, a wild card in a way. And uh, I'm wondering if, because like, even though people complain about Tim Cook now, if like they're going to look back on him and be like, oh, man, that was the good old days. <laughs> the good old days, yeah. Because <laughs> they've that's had some... The, yeah, that is ahead. what people do. I mean, that's human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's possible. I I don't even look at it that way. But but it is interesting to think what will happen because the other the other question is, uh, are you gonna like <laughs> when you're this big? If it seems like the only the only direction now would be down as far as like how how do you even grow more beyond the billions and billions of dollars per quarter that you're generating? Yeah. Um, and he like he came in at the right time. You could argue you know, for his, his leadership style mm-hmm. and it's worked for a decade, 10 years, which isn't, it's, it's a long time, but it's not like a, it's not forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but to forecast this another 10 years, like what kind of leader would you need um, to take it, to keep that growth? Cause I, I don't know if it's sustainable. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. You just keep exploiting cheap labor and, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, spinning everything the way you do, and it works. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, there has to be a limit. There has to be a limit to the growth. Uh, I mean, there was for IBM, right? Yeah, That's, but I think they also got, like, outperformed. Like... You know, if you go back to the story of Microsoft, Microsoft kind of buried them Mm -hmm. by doing the whole PC compatible thing with Windows. Mm -hmm. And at that point, IBM kind of lost out on that market. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if IBM necessarily hit their ceiling versus got outsmarted in a way. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess there's still room for. There's still room for Apple because I think worldwide Android is much bigger. Not in the U.S., but I think worldwide it is. So, yeah. but then again, you know, you're talking about you can get an Android phone for fifty bucks, <laughs> and 
you think like, you know, in countries like India, I don't think Apple's going to take over there. Um, not anytime soon, that's for sure. And I think Europe, I don't know if Apple is as popular from what I've read. Like people over there are into Android and Windows. Hmm. Um, probably because of cost, but there's room. I just don't know. It, it feels like they're going to hit that ceiling any time. One billion active iPhones as of January of this year. So that's, and they just hit that. So active, okay. So <laughs> I would have guessed more, actually. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's only, there's only how many billion people in the world? Seven and a half or something? Yeah, but then how many of those are kids? Yeah. Like people who would not own an iPhone or a smartphone. But yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe there's not as many of those as you think. But like, let's say, like, what would be the proportion of? But then I guess children are getting phones now too. So I, yeah. I'm wrong. I guess there's going to be a point. So there's probably older people who are not as apt to get smartphones because they weren't, you know, like they just don't see the need. So as time goes on, I think the that the total audience for smartphones will probably grow because, you know, people who have them now are going to keep getting them because they're used to them. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Well, that just seemed like maybe, what do you think? That like a billion out of 7 billion or seven and a half seems like that might be getting close to the max. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I also, well, yes, I, I mean, I would say yes to that. Like, mm -hmm. I would think there would be a top of the bell curve at some point. Unless the you know, the world population keeps growing and they're, you know, somehow they have this steady increase for years and years and years. But as far as um, active iPhone usage. Mm -hmm. But I, if you look at the last 10 years... This is what I was going to say earlier. You look at what Apple's become. Um, it's very different now than the company it was. Like I don't, I don't look at Apple anymore as this innovative company. Mm -hmm. I look at them as a very smart company um, with good, streamlined products um, that are pretty well marketed, uh, and I, I see them as very powerful. Mm -hmm. But when I when I think of like the the, the innovators of today, I, I think of like Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. um, I would, you know, I would have put Steve Jobs in that category back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a very different app. Like it really does. The companies really do kind of take on the. I don't know if you'd say the personality of their leaders, but mm -hmm. there's something to that. Um, and he's. He's, I think he's good at what he does, Tim Cook. Um, but he's cha he's changed the the image and I think the may maybe a little bit of the culture of Apple um, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. the degree where it's not really. I don't see them as you know their their bread and butter butter is not innovation anymore. Um, and when he does leave, like you said, they're they're going to be you know two generations removed from that mm -hmm. from that innovation. Um, and I don't know if you can go back to that. Like once, once you, once you take on this, this, uh, 
this global domination type <laughs> business strategy. Um, I don't know if you can go back to being an innovator or, or certainly not having that small business, small company feel that they had. Um, yeah. They, in order to sustain the growth, they have to, I think they have to keep doing it the way they're doing it. And I don't, I don't know how, how long that would last. Yeah. And I don't know if there would be a better person that like it's going to be weird just like what the angle is going to be when somebody else takes over because and again this is all like people like to have a narrative around things right like what what this person does for the company or what that person does for the company so we're kind of doing that too and saying like oh steve jobs is the innovator and yeah tim cook was the guy who was able to take that previous innovation innovation and scale it up to yeah. being the monster they are now and i'm sure there's some truth to that I'm really wondering what the uh, the angle of the next person's gonna be, because, mm. like I said, if it was me in charge, um, just out of principle, like I think that they need to improve a lot of things in their various software offerings, mm. and because they've they're really ticking a lot of people off, a lot of developers off, with some of the stuff that they're doing, just in terms of quality, and you can't. You can't do that forever, like to the people who are responsible for yeah. making your platform attractive to, you know, consumers. It's all about, as uh, Steve Ballmer would say, you know, developers, developers, developers. Hmm. So uh, if they're not like making those people happy at some point, they're going to not want to support your platform. So there's a whole bunch of things going on in the software side of the company that I think that they should really be paying uh, better attention to shore up their software quality, both in the operating systems and all the apps that they're offering, even the development tools. There's people really angry with how Xcode is working right now. And Xcode is what you use to make iOS apps and Mac apps. And it's like, if your development tools are screwed up, like what the heck, like what can, where do you go from there? Yeah. So they're not, I feel like they're not paying attention to those things the way mm -hmm. they should be. And like the things with like the yearly operating system releases, like they don't need to do that. They don't need to be, they're basically uh, kowtowing to marketing because marketing mm -hmm. wants to have a yearly release for like Mac, the, the Mac OS when it was called OS 10 back in the day, there would be years between big versions. Like, Two years, three years, you know, if it was like a year and a half, that was short. Mm. And now they're doing releases every year. And what happens is when they do a release, it'll break things. And then it takes six months to iron out, you know, some of those bugs. Some of them never get fixed. And like mm. you'll read people saying like, I've been fired. They call them radars, which is like their bug report. So they'll say, I've been, I've been fired. Like this radar has been around for 10 years and it's never been fixed. Mm. And it's like, that's what happens is because, well, they have to move on to the next release. Like, it's like you you know, they, they do the bug fixes and it's like, well, now we're working on next year's version. And I'm sure there's a like a pipeline for people who are doing bug fixes versus people who are working on the new things and all those things. But they're just moving at a speed that it's like software quality is not mm. possible to like the level that they tried to be known for before. And like that's a decision I feel like he would have some influence on, because if like I, I just don't see the need for the yearly updates. Like you could even have things like push features out 
as they're done. Like you don't even necessarily need to have like these big. I, I know again it's for marketing, mm-hmm. but I feel like you don't need that necessarily. And it's like, hey, we have a new feature for macOS, you know, related to iCloud. Here it is. It's coming out this day. It doesn't have to be tied to like macOS 12 right. or 11 or whatever the number they're on now. And I don't, I don't think he thinks about that or cares. Um, but that's because he's not a software person, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I really like. So if this Greg Joswiak guy gets in. And he's a marketing guy. Like, what are his decisions going to be about? Like, he's going to care about the marketing. What can we market? Because that's what sells stuff. And that also goes back to the uh, that Steve Jobs interview we watched where he said the salespeople eventually take over a company because innovation can't drive sales once you reach a certain point. Like, salespeople are the only ones that can drive the growth. So they're the ones who end up running the company. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, so it's like we're we're kind of seeing that, right? Yeah, that's so that's funny. I don't know if I don't know at what point like do they get you know back to the so-called innovation because some of the rumors about like some of the new stuff that they're trying to do is totally not interesting. Like I don't want an Apple car, and maybe you see it and you're like, oh yeah, now I really want that, but I just don't think that they can make a better car than than well, they have companies. A, yeah. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I don't I don't like what's the product that's gonna, you know, tilt the scale the way the iPhone did. I just I would be shocked if something came along that that changed the world yeah. like that that did. Yeah, and I mean that's a tough bar to. <laughs> it's of the course. whole landing on the moon thing. Of so, course. Um, but it's just uh and and to his credit like you you mentioned the the apple tv and some of the some of the um non-hardware products and that's that's probably the way um i think they could add to their blue ocean is if they sort of branch out in that direction mm-hmm. with other products like that um but i mean for for something like a car say to you know what they're they're gonna make a car that that competes with like a tesla as far as innovation i'd be i'd be surprised yeah um if they if they if they create created something so groundbreaking that it, it changed the market you know the way the iphone did right um so i, I don't know I, it would be really hard for them to go back to being the apple of the the 2000s or the 90s which is Another reason, maybe '90s is not the best example because they weren't doing that well then. (laughs) Right, say the '80s, late '90s, maybe. Yeah, late '90s, Uh, mid '90s, not so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is another reason, in my opinion, why they should be focusing on quality, because they have a chance to, like, I I don't know, they could really be burying the competition if they just had that, and they probably feel like they are. Because yeah. of the sales, and so they think right. sales right. means that people are happy. Right. But it's you might still be the better choice of two, while still having a lot you need to improve upon. Right. Um, and you know that could drive growth. It's like if if things were so noticeably better in all ways on your platform, you know, it's gonna 
going to attract maybe more customers. So I feel like they're maybe a little short-sighted there, and I know I'm not the only one who thinks that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think that they're going to have, and I could be wrong, but I, I not, I'm not counting like I'm not counting on any big you know product that blows us away the way the iPhone did or maybe the Mac did for people back in '84. Because mm-hmm. those are the two big things, right? Like, yeah. even the, I mean, the iPod was cool, but it wasn't like this blow away thing. The iPad is okay, but again, it was an extension of the iPhone. So, it, really, if you look at Apple, it's Apple II, Mac, mm-hmm. and iPhone. The iPod did. I mean, there were a few different innovations at that time that mm-hmm. kind of accomplished this, but it did change the music industry. It did. Um, like I think of the iPod um, before I think of things like Napster. Like the iPod was what the the device that changed. That put the industry yeah. on its head, basically. But a lot of that was because of iTunes, though, right? Because of how easy they made it to yeah. purchase. Yeah, the whole that was the whole package. Yeah. But we don't think of it as much anymore because the iPhone. It wasn't that much later that the iPhone came out, and now the iPhone became the new. You know, the iPhone became the new iPod. Per se. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it, it might have been later than you might think. It might have been like a ten-year gap. I thought it was like seven. I thought the iPod was around two thousand. It might be. It might be. But even that's kind of seven years. It's a long time. time. It's a long time. But I remember like that. Yeah, I think that was bigger than we remember. Yeah, and the big change. Well, those all of those things kind of happened at the same time, right? The advent of iTunes and the Napster, um, because it was like digital music was starting to really take off. Yeah, and. The iPod and iTunes was almost Apple's way of saying, like, people are going to be getting this stuff anyway. Let's make it really easy for them to buy right. so that you can keep the honest people honest. Right. Um, yeah, it was, they were ahead yeah, of yeah. Like, what was happening. Right. Um, and that, other, don't, they're yeah. not making products like that anymore where they're, like, anticipating um that you know, to that degree, where they're 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 ahead of entire markets. Yeah, and I'm wondering if it's even going to be possible. Like it's it's a it's a very yeah. different world even it is. than it is. than yeah. back then. Yeah. So some of the rumors of the products that they're working on are again this car thing that's been going around for a while, and people keep getting hired and then leaving the company, which indicates that like it's not going well. Like, they hired somebody from Ford, like, head of Ford, and he just left. People keep coming and leaving this project. So it's probably not going well, like I said. The other one is um, the augmented reality glasses. Mm. So, uh, you know, we've had other companies try to do that stuff. There's a company called Magic Leap that basically spectacularly failed. Uh, and try- And that's all they were trying to do. Uh, Microsoft has their HoloLens, and they sell it for like three grand, and it's geared towards businesses or businesses. And I don't, I don't think it's making any kind of waves. Now Apple's going to make something that is going to be oriented to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it comes back to like who, if you don't have to, who wants to wear glasses? Right. Like, I don't see how that's... It's just not a thing. I'm not going to put glasses on my face right. unless I have to. 
It's the whole Seinfeld thing. These women would be pretty good looking if they weren't wearing glasses. Nobody <laughs> wants that. Yeah. So and I know Tim see Tim Cook wears glasses, so maybe he thinks, Oh, this is cool. I'll be able to replace my glasses and have this neat Apple product on my face. <laughs> uh without thinking about, you know, I just don't think everybody's gonna want to walk around looking like yeah. a, hip, a hipster or whatever. Um what do you call it? Uh, dog fooding when you yeah, promote, yeah. promote your own products. Well, it's, it's supposed to be when you use your own or products. use your own products. Yeah, yeah dog fooding. Yeah, and uh, so those rumors are not that interesting to me. Right. And there's so many companies now trying to find that next big thing. I just have a really hard time thinking it's going to come out of Apple. Uh, yeah, I, I it's I. I don't know what the future holds for them, really. Yeah. Be interesting to see. Uh, did we, um, no, we didn't talk a whole lot about his leadership style, which was kind of the. Well, we, I thought we did. I guess we touched on it, yeah. We talked about, uh, like, what his focus is, but, like, so what were you thinking in that area? Well, it's interesting uh, some of these accounts where people say that they actually kind of have that fear when he's in the room. Mm hmm. Uh, similar to like a Steve Jobs where they're worried about saying the wrong thing or being underprepared. Right. Um, and that's interesting to me because I don't see that when he's like, he's very uh, mild mannered and soft spoken when he's, when he's presenting. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that he has that, um, has that edge to him that you don't see, I guess. Mm hmm. I feel like that's um, that's an important quality to have to in some in some capacity. Meaning, um, well, let me let me take it back. So there was there's there's a there's something called the Lewin leadership model, mm -hmm. which is very very old model. It goes back to like the 1930s and. Leadership theories have since, you know, become pretty abundant right? And, and a little more complex. But like the most basic, this is like one of the most basic ones. And it's the idea is that you have sort of these three different styles of leadership that sort of intersect with each other. Um, and at the point of intersection is where you kind of have the ideal leader. And so in these three circles, you have, say in one, you have like a, uh, you call like a democratic leadership style where it's also called like participative participative mm -hmm. where both groups are sort of playing off each other the leaders and the followers mm -hmm. um, and so they're both active in in the way the businesses run and then you have on one circle you have the laissez-faire or delegative leadership delegative mm -hmm. <laughs> these are hard words to say um <laughs> So in that model, you kind of have the leader sort of just hands off and and really doesn't do much leading at all, sort of lets people do their own thing. Mm -hmm. And then on the third, you have authoritarian, which is like autocratic leadership. So, mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting to me that that's even one of the one of the traits that you that would be in the mix, but it is. Um, and when you have a mix of all three of these, you have what you know in theory is is probably the more the more effective leader because he's able to kind of go off of the situation. Um, he can be authoritarian. I don't know if authoritarian is the right word, but mm -hmm. that's the word they use. 
Um, and so it's sort of like there's a hint of that in the in the person. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of keeps people on their toes, gets the best out of people. Obviously, he does. A good leader doesn't stay in that state for very long, or if at all, it's just that people know it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the sense I get from Tim Cook. I think from from Steve Jobs. I think he was he he might have spent a little more time in that in that realm than Tim Cook, because he really could be. A jerk by by many accounts, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas you don't necessarily. Uh, Tim Cook is maybe demanding, but I, I don't. I don't hear too many accounts of him just blowing up at people. Yeah, um, the way Jobs did. Right. But I think it's interesting that that's there. I, I just I just wanted to touch on that very briefly. Yeah. Um, well, I th- yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say it reminds me of the story. I think we mentioned this on this podcast before, where they were talking about some issue. He was having a meeting with him and. He was COO at the time, I think, not CEO. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like one of his staff members or like close, you know, employees or whatever, they were having a meeting talking about some issue in China uh, with manufacturing. And like he was going over it with the person who was responsible. They move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And like 10 minutes later, he turns to the person and says, Why are you still here? <laughs> and like, so the guy, so the story Ouch. is the guy got up went directly to the airport, got a flight to China without like without going home. Wow. Nothing. It's yeah. like, I mean, that's... That's hardcore. You know, yeah, like he, he didn't blow up with the guy by the accounts, but it was just like, just by him saying that, like, why are you here? Yeah. Like, you get someone to get up and fly to China. Yeah. I know I don't have that kind of power. I don't yeah. even know if I can make someone leave a room with that kind of question. Yeah, I mean, some of that, we were, we, yeah. we, were, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. It's like you're kind of at the mercy of these guys yeah. in, in these companies. They just, they wield a lot of power. It's not, you know, in some cases it's not, it has nothing to do with the leadership style. It's just, you know, how, <laughs> yeah. the power they have over your life, you know? Right. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's a little kind of a scary thought actually uh, in well, some ways, but yeah. I guess you don't have to work there. Right. No. I mean, and, and I, I'm sure that the guy who that story is about makes a ton of money. I mean, yeah, these people are right. probably making, you know, they're making millions of dollars a year. Right. So at that that's, level of responsibility. That's kind of what I mean, though. Like, that's their, and it's all contingent on them making Tim Cook happy, <laughs> in sure. a sense, you know. Sure. There's a lot riding on that relationship, Yeah. if you look if you look at it that way. Yeah. There's a, real quick before we wrap up, yeah. there's, a, there's an old fr- uh, Friends episode. I don't know if you ever watch Friends. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. So... There's an episode where Monica gets a job as a head chef in a kitchen. It's like her uh-huh. dream job. Uh-huh. But she's having trouble gaining the respect of people because everyone in the kitchen thinks she's soft. Mm-hmm. So she hires one of her um, one of her friends to come in so that she can fire them in front right, of everybody. Right. And sort of remember that episode? Yeah. So it's that kind of concept where and, – and just the fact that she – does that in front of everyone changes mm-hmm. the perception because now it's like in the back of their minds oh something could happen if i if i'm if i step out of line or whatever it's just that perception so it's right. like he doesn't have to be a jerk it's just you have to know yeah that he's yeah, capable yeah. of it and yeah <laughs> so it's an interesting yeah. dynamic for sure so yeah no i think you know 
yeah, I think his style has been. I mean, I feel like we kind of covered it. Like he's very different from Steve Jobs. He seems very, you know, detail oriented. Uh, not as interested in the products. Maybe oddly well suited to this period in Apple's um, business, I guess, over the last ten years. Yeah. Um, I kind of wonder if maybe they wouldn't. I, I, I mean, it's an unanswerable question. But if Steve Jobs had been here this these past ten years, like what would like what would the company look like? I, I bet you'd be completely different. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. Um, I think so too. Which is, you know, it'd be. I, I wish we could see what that would have been like, but uh, you just can't do that. So, yeah, and I don't know if Tim, I don't know if uh, Steve Jobs would have fared well in this ultra PC culture that that, yeah. that we're in. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, he definitely did not uh, mince words. So. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. In a time when words must be minced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the mincing era. Yeah, uh, that kind of sure. sounds like a Seinfeld <laughs> bit that never happened. Are you are you mincing? <laughs> He's mincing. Yeah. He minced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Man. Uh, <laughs> All right, so I think that pretty much covers it, though. What do you think? I think so. Um, yeah, full, the ultimate full circle yeah. story, and the, and the <laughs> fact that he worked, he worked for, for he worked for IBM in 1984, and now he's created the new IBM. He's created the new IBM of the 2000s, 2010s, or 2020s. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, time is passing by quickly anyway all right i think that covers it for this week um so until next time i'm jared moranti i'm justin moranti thanks again for listening we'll see you next time if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to subscribe to the wild loop and if you would like to help spread the word please give us a five-star review and tell anyone you know that loves tech to subscribe as well the wild loop is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts including spotify and apple podcasts Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.